0: Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and today we're going to talk a little bit about food shortages because recently Joe Biden said because of the war between Russia and Ukraine, and I talked about this in some of the other podcasts that I've done in the last couple of weeks or two, that there's a large percentage of the world's fertilizer, I think it's close to 20, 25% that comes from that area, the area of Ukraine. And obviously we need fertile, everybody needs fertilizer to grow their food and to grow the feed for the cattle and every, everybody else. And also you have a lot of, you got oil and gas production that comes from there. And so when you have almost a quarter of the fertilizer production that's now part of a war zone and you're not going to see immediate problems because, you know, the stuff's being mined, it's being processed, it's shipped around the world, and then you have different growing seasons. Like right now, especially like in the Ukrainian area, is that the, the, everything's been – the crops are planted. And so now they're waiting for to, to call the crops. But the problem comes in the fall. And because, you know, I've reading lots of articles about farmers changing the crops that they're growing because of fertilizer issues and things they need to grow specific crops they're not getting so they're like okay well we're going to grow something else that we can that we'll be able to make money off of because the farmers obviously need crops to make money and support their families and so you you look at like what you know the president's already saying yeah we're gonna have food shortages and so what does that mean? Obviously, I, I, you know in the West, we're going to be somewhat insulated other than you're going to see, the like we're doing now, you see, look at food is skyrocketing a lot of things. But you look at what's going to happen in the poorer countries, mm-hmm. especially like Africa or if you remember the Arab Spring, that was only like a small fractional increase in the price of wheat that eventually led to the Arab Spring because people couldn't afford to buy enough food to feed their families. They were literally starting to starve. So what do you think happens? Even John Kerry was talking about this. John Kerry, with the quote a couple weeks ago, was something along the lines of he says, what happens when the food system for 100 million people collapses? And what do you think those people, what are those people going to do if they can't eat? And they're literally migrate, leave, try to make it to Europe or starve to death. I mean, you can see people resorting to cannibalism. I mean, breakdown of society and civilization and what happens when all those refugees are coming across the channel cuz it's life or death for them. And what do you do? And you don't have enough food for them. You you already got shortages and now you got the people that couldn't eat coming and they want food too. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting what what happens. So Esti, what's the uh what articles you got too?
1: Oh, uh, these are the articles from Yahoo Finance. And they have different quotes, so only three right now that are that popped out so president joe biden said that the world will experience food shortages as a result of russia's invasion of ukraine and production increases were a subject of discussions at a group of seven meeting on thursday he says it's going to be real this is what said in a news conference in brussels the price of the sanction is not just imposed upon russia it's imposed upon upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. Ukraine and Russia are both major producers of wheat, and Kiev's government has already warned that the country's planting and harvest have been severely disrupted by the war. Wow. That's sad.
0: Yeah, I think they're a big part of the world's uh, wheat production comes from Ukraine as well.
1: Very sad. Terracop Cobb at Defense One is reporting Ukraine war could put food security on Pentagon's plate. Quoting the article, global leaders from UN to Congress warn low supplies, high prices could spark conflict elsewhere. Ukraine banned the export of wheat and other vital food commodities, triggering global fears for the food security of millions of people this year. Now the Pentagon has been urged to study how the disrupted food supply driven by Russia's invasion of Ukraine will impact security security around the world.
0: So it says global leaders from China to the United Nations have warned millions could suffer from Russia's war as some food prices have already soared and supplies are disrupted or cut off completely for months or years to come. Some warn that suffering could spark violence in locations key to U.S. security concerns. I mean, everybody's seen how food has gotten more expensive because the government with all the free-flowing unemployment is basically caused an artificial inflation in the labor market. And so people that were making eight or 10 bucks an hour got paid more money to sit at home and do nothing. And I think it's somewhere, you know, because the Democrats were wanting $15 an hour minimum wage, living wage, as they call it, for years. And so, with all of the uh, the coronavirus programs that were in the spending that was spent since the pandemic, so you got a lot of people that was like, if you're making eight or ten bucks an hour and you can make five, six hundred bucks a week sitting at home doing nothing Definitely. on unemployment, why would you? You're actually going to make less money to go back to work. So now the government's paying you more money to sit at home and be on unemployment and do nothing. And so you got restaurants that are used to having a surp you know, plenty of people eat 10 bucks an hour to, to work in the restaurants, the kitchens, the cooks, all, all those people, and the dishwashers, and now the busboys, and now those people are like, I get paid more to sit home and do nothing. Wow why don't I come back?
1: But that's a problem though. Like let's say they do wanna because once it stops, unemployment what Well the,
0: well, the problem is is that these people so the restaurants still wanna open for business because you, you got you got bills to pay, you got rent to pay. So now you're having to pay more. You're having to pay people twelve, fifteen, seventeen dollars an hour just to make it worth their while to, because they can actually make more by working than staying home. So it's kind of like a backdoor way to get a fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage. And so with the government coming in and interfering in the labor market, now they've jacked up the the cost of all low to minimum wage type of jobs and so it makes everything more expensive everything is produced with labor everything is shipped on trucks so you got the cost of oil and gas going up everything is shipped by either plane by diesel on ships or trains or trucks and when the cost of labor goes up and the cost of fuel goes up it gets passed on to the consumer they don't have a choice so everything's more expensive
2: it is getting out of hand. People think that the gas shortage, it's not a gas shortage. It's, uh, you know, we're getting it from too far away, trying to bring it here. And that supply chain's getting interrupted with the things that are happening in the, in the world. And people think, oh, OK, well, so the cost of gas just went up a buck or two a gallon um, and even more than that now. And You're they think as well,
0: high as almost eight bucks an gallon. Uh, eight bucks a gallon in some places in California,
2: and, and people will say, "Well, so that's only going to cost you what another fifteen hundred bucks uh, a year." Well, actually, for that fifteen hundred bucks, I actually have to make over two thousand because I got to pay taxes on it. But it's going to drive the cost of everything else up. It already has. We have seen inflation at a rate like we haven't seen in years. It's not just our gas costs going up; it's our cost of absolutely everything. Put that on top of some of the things that you um, uh, said about, you know, the fertilizer shortages and, and those things. We've gotten so far away from where food comes from that we've doomed ourselves. People don't even know what food is anymore. They think it's those things that you have in the packages on the store shelves. If we took the food supply away from the people for more than a few days, they would starve. And we are probably that close to making that all happen to the roadways getting interrupted. There was a a book written years ago, I think it was called Three Days to Anarchy. And it was based on the concept that if trade got cut off, if the trucks could not deliver to the grocery stores, the store shelves would be emptied within three days and a lot of us we do our grocery shopping once or twice a week uh, for me and my family it's it's literally twice a week it wouldn't be 3 days to anarchy because those stores would be empty the day we know there's a problem because now everyone says oh wait we're running low on it's this like we got to go hurricanes buy everything it's
0: coming down you know within 24 48 hours the stores are pretty much empty of water and batteries and flashlights and all the things you need when you lose power and everything so that's a if you don't have it and then all of a sudden now you need it the stuff's gone and just like you said in 24 hours we've seen that in south florida every year when there's hurricanes coming it's it's what happens all the stuff like there it's all gone there's none of it left
2: the water shelves are empty we have entire aisles dedicated to water and they're wiped out as if water's the easy thing to get Imagine food because people don't know how to grow their own food. They think that food comes from Publix, Kroger, Albertsons. It comes from the grocery store. That's where food comes from, right? Uh, well, no. Technically, they get it from Mexico and, and and Dominican Republic and all these other countries. Wait a second. You mean Americans don't know how to grow, supply their own food? They don't have their own chickens, gardens. They're not growing, you know, their own fruit, vegetables. No, most people don't know how to, aren't even allowed to. There's ordinances against it. We don't have food. If that supply gets cut off, we're screwed. We shouldn't need fertilizers. That's, by the way, that's, a, that's a, a crock. Why do we need fertilizers? Because modern farming has been you know, replaced with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and all these things to grow more food in less space. What does that do? Well, it kills the soil. The reason we need fertilizers is because we've killed the soil. It's kind of like, why do we need supplements? Because you've killed the soil in your own body by taking all these chemicals, chlorinated water, preservations in food, eating animal foods that are filled with antibiotics, growth hormones, and all kinds of chemicals. We have chemically annihilated our bodies, making our insides dead, so now we need supplements. We've chemically annihilated the farmlands, and now they need supplements, and that's called fertilizer. We screwed ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, everybody making fun of the preppers
0: and how preppers have several months typically or longer of food. And if you get a breakdown, I mean, like I said, that's 25% of the fer- world's fertilizer supply is basically been cut off and so you're left with whatever stockpile whatever's sit in the warehouses what's already in the ships on the way over to its destinations and if you don't have the fertilizer you have or you have to use different types of fertilizers there's then there's certain crops you can't grow because you can't get the things you need to grow those crops and so that's you know you I, what i've been reading is you won't see it until the fall you know this you know we're talking six seven months from now you won't you won't know the full effect until then and the war is still still going on
1: wow food shortages i don't really have much in my fridge so i don't be eating i'll be fasting so i can like lose weight you'll
0: be on a hunger hunger strike pretty quickly no
2: nah. most most americans <laughs> are already carrying a good 30 day supply right
1: around their waistline
2: yeah.
0: Just in case. Yeah. We well, can last. What is it? About forty five days with no
1: food. I Who mean, asks? Jesus did it, right? Who? Jesus from the Bible. He fasted, didn't he? Especially because it's Lent right now. So I'm Catholic, and during Lent it's forty days, which is right oh, you're now. You're doing the Lent. Um, I'm doing it for Lent, but also like for the pageant. So like, I want to do more weeks. But like in Lent, you're supposed to give something up because when he, it was his turn, he he fasted. Yes, for so forty have, days. Exactly. Yeah. So for sacrifice and for giving something up, someone has to choose something. So every year is different. Like this year, I did fasting because the rest I already cut off, so it didn't make sense to, to not do it. But I remember soda was a big problem, so every time in Lent I would try to do that. Now I don't like soda, which is good. But I it's a good soda. thing
2: to do. Train your body to, not need everything that it gets. Exactly. So
0: what should you do? You obviously, ideally would want to have several months worth of food in case this does happen you should always have it but obviously that stuff doesn't last forever depending on like if you got mres there's a shelf life to those if you got lentils and beads and other things there's or nuts for that matter that stuff's got a, a certain amount of shelf life so say you buy it and nothing happens well usually
2: you either eat it or you end up throwing it away you know for for, for the price of beans rice Grains, these things store for years, decades even if you store them right. Um, Beans, uh, kept in a five gallon bucket sealed with a lid on it, um, will last literally decades. And what are those? They're live seeds that you can actually plant. Uh, A cup of sprouts will turn into a half gallon of, a cup of seeds rather will turn into a half gallon of sprouts. Um, Wheat, obviously can also be grown sprouted, and you can grow your own fields of wheat. They're seeds, they're live seeds that stay forever packed with nutrition. So yes, you can have a food supply uh, at home to get you through that that time uh, of crisis, the three days of anarchy. You can have your own food supply there. But everyone should really know how to grow their own food. They should be growing food. If you go back in history, you know, I, I grew the avocados and Corey grew the mangoes and and Esty grew the carrots or whatever, and we all exchanged our foods and everybody had everything. Everyone was a food contributor. Now we've all become reliant on the system to provide our food, we should be getting back to knowing where the food actually comes from and being contributing to that. If you have property, if you have land, you know, a, a single small home property uh, should be able to produce enough food for not only your family, but even some of your neighbors. It's very doable.
0: Well, as Lord Acton said, liberty exists in the distribution of power, tyranny, and the concentration of it. If you have the ability to do that, Obviously you should and same as well as I talk about this all the time, You, it's a sacred duty of every American to be armed, safe and competent with firearms. You should have a good pistol and you should have a good rifle and you should be competent at it and you should do some kind of weaponized geometry like that John Dufresne teaches of kinetic net, where you do force on force training where it's the closest thing you're going to get to a real world gunfight and learning to con- – because the first time – you go through the shoot house, your heart's pumping. You got a, you know you got this plastic mask and helmet thing on and thick clothing because it's you know they call it the bee sting. So when you get shot, it stings. You know, so if you're exposing too much of your body and you're pieing into a room and you get shot because the guys that are hiding in there that are playing the bad guys that are waiting to ambush you, those are that you take corrective action. You move out of the way because you don't want to get shot again. Because and so you're first going in, it's quiet and you literally hear nothing. Maybe you hear the AC go on and you know, there's two or three people waiting inside as you're clearing rooms. You don't know where they are they They know what door you're probably coming through. And so they're waiting to ambush you and they got time to get themselves in a spot where they can see you, but you, you can't see them. And the first few times you do it, your heart's racing. The mask is like fogging up because you're breathing so heavy. You're nervous as hell. Your, your pulse is gone, but, when you do it enough times, it's just it's just automatic. You know, I, I remember the first time I took that class with John. It, it it's like the thing that was surprising to me because I had done so much training on the range over the years, especially with him, pistol and rifle, and transitioning back and forth. But behind it, and he's probably one of the best trainers in the whole southeastern United States. Is that you do two or three runs through the shoot house and it's you're calm you're calm in a gunfight even when the rounds are impacted in the wall around you because you know even some of the defenders that aren't used and they're they're not really good with pistol and rifle because they get nervous too if you're coming you know they did know that if you see them you're going to shoot them as well and so they they get nervous and then it's kind of like the Hollywood movies where they start shooting a lot of rounds and it's impacting the wall and you can just calmly go and put your, put your dot on them and, and hit them and nail them and neutralize you know they pretend die obviously
2: but you do that enough, and then it's, it's just working the problem. Now, in that training, I'm curious, when, you know, you're shooting a bad guy, do they have sometimes good guys in the background that you have to watch out for? And Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all, like I said, every time you go through the, ho- the shoot house, it's a different scenario. You, you have no idea what you're going to run into. There could be multiple people. There could be hostages. It's like, you know, so the, the things happen quickly and so you have to be able to make the shoot or no shoot and when you train and you're like i said you take the time with pistol rifle and especially when you're learning with red dots and stuff is that you don't pull the trigger until you got a shot Mm -hmm. and so everything becomes calm and when you rehearse that thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of times over the years it's it really becomes automatic you don't have to think about it it's like especially when you start force on force for the first time you don't know what to expect it's quiet how much is this round going to sting when it hits me how much is it going to hurt and but you know after you you go through it enough times you get good at hiding your body where you see them before they see you and you can you know easily take them out so it's it's a lot of fun and it makes that builds your confidence because you know that you know anybody that kicks your door in is not getting that kind of level of training and so quite frankly you know someone like myself or anybody that's you know that knows this stuff you'll make quick work of those people and you'll be able to take them out without endangering your family and your rounds will all be on target
2: and you won't miss it sounds like a a lot of fun and probably that training that you're glad you have and hope you never need Yeah, yeah exactly Success
0: depends upon prior preparation. Without said preparation, there's sure to be failure.